0: Hey guys, my name is Lisa M. Waring and this is Real Talk, a podcast where I discuss movies and TV more extensively and how art imitates life, imitates art. Quick announcement, I'm going to be scaling back on the Real Talk videos. So instead of four every month, it's going to be one video of a film that I review voted by you guys when I drop the poll. I will still have a monthly theme. The reason for this is because there are a lot of other things that I do. I write, I produce, I film, I coach other creatives and I've got some things coming down the line. And as much as I really enjoy making these videos, the editing is time consuming. So I have to slow down a little bit so I can work on other things. Thank you guys for all of your comments, continued support and everything. I truly appreciate you guys. Don't worry, I'm not going anywhere. I will still be here. Now back to our scheduled program. For the final unconventional love story for this month's theme, you guys voted and you chose the 2004 sci-fi drama romance, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, about a couple who erase each other from their memories. Forever. This is my first time watching this film and let me just tell you, thank you guys. I can't believe I waited this long to watch it. Spoilers ahead. Let's get into it. Joel, played by Jim Carrey, wakes up out of his bed, heads downstairs and sees that his car has been damaged. It's dented. He can't tell who because he's looking around and none of his other neighbors have any damage to their vehicles. So he gets in his car and drives away. Nah, we gotta fight. Somebody knows something. It's Valentine's Day and Joel's on the platform waiting for the train to arrive so he can go to work. But then he decides in that moment to ditch work. He runs off the platform and catches another train to Montauk. He doesn't even know why. He's not an impulsive person, but he's just having one of those days. And he's in a funk. He ends up walking the beach and it is cold. He opens up his journal and he sees that there are pages missing. He doesn't even know why. His last journal entry was two years ago. As he goes about his business, he keeps seeing the same woman in an orange sweatshirt with blue hair. She's on the beach. She's in the coffee shop. She's on the platform. She's everywhere. And she sees him too. They hop on the same train and she comes over and approaches him. She introduces herself as Clementine Uh, and tells him not to make fun of her name. He doesn't even know how to make fun of her name. He tells her she seems nice, and then she blows up at him that she doesn't need nice. Red flag, dude. She apologizes for yelling and tells him she's just a little out of it today. My embarrassing admission is I really like that you're nice right now. I mean, I can't tell from one moment to the next what I'm gonna like, but right now, I'm glad you are. When they get off the train, he offers her a ride and she invites him back to her place where they hang out and talk. They're chatting it up and she tells him that he's really nice and she knows she's going to marry him one day. The girl is bold. Joel heads out and she stops him and writes her phone number on his arm. It's 2004, people, and everybody don't got cell phones. Sometimes I really miss it. Joel goes home and immediately calls her and they have a lovely conversation. They end up going out to this frozen lake and Joel is very hesitant about walking on it. But Clementine convinces him to come on out and they end up laying down on the ice. That butt ain't cold? My butt is cold just thinking about it. Just because I was born in January, don't mean I'm about that cold life. They do look cute though. The next day he drives her back home but Clementine wants to go to his house to hang out and sleep. So she goes inside to grab a few things. While she's gone, some random dude walks up to the car and asks Joel what he's doing there. Joel has no idea who this guy is. He tells him, I'm not sure what you mean. I'm just sitting here, dude. The guy nods and just walks away. Okay, that was weird. Then the opening credits start. What? We're just now getting into the movie? What the heck was all of that? That's wild. We see Joel alone in his car, bawling his eyes out. He grabs some meds from the pharmacy and heads home to his apartment. He takes the meds and falls asleep. Two guys enter his apartment with equipment. And things start to get weird. We jump to a flashback where Joel is talking to his friends, Rob and Carrie, and telling them how he wants to make up with Clementine. Valentine's Day is three days away, and he even bought her a gift and everything. But now her phone is turned off, and he went to her job, and she pretended like she didn't know who he was. Then some random dude that he didn't really get to see came in, and she kissed him right in front of him. That is cold-blooded Clementine. Joel was devastated, so he left. Carrie tells him, don't worry about it. Just move forward and forget all about her. But Joel is just not doing good, and Rob does not like seeing his friend like this. So he reaches into his drawer against Carrie's wishes, and he holds out a letter that he received from a doctor's office. The letter literally states that Clementine has erased Joel from her memory, and they are to never mention him to her again. Here's a better look at it. Ouch. Well, that explains that. The screen goes fuzzy and now Joel is at the doctor's office wanting the same procedure. He's meeting with Dr. Howard Mizuak, sorry if I didn't say that right, who sent him home to remove all of the items that had to do with Clementine. That includes books, CDs, photos, gifts, everything. And then his technicians will come into his house at night and erase his memory. Okay, some things are starting to make sense now. Dr. Howard has him sit down and start talking to him about Clementine and their relationship. This way, he's able to map what memories to target in the erasing process. We jump to Joel in his apartment, lying on his bed, asleep, with this contraption on his head. There are wires coming out of it, and one of the technicians, Stan, is setting things up. The other one is working underneath the table, so we're not able to see him. Joel is back at the doctor's office, and he literally sees himself strapped to a chair talking to Stan and getting treated. He realizes he's in his head already and the erasure process has begun. We finally see the other technician's face. This is Patrick. And it's the same guy from the beginning that was asking Joel why he was parked in front of Clementine's house. That's interesting. We go back inside Joel's head and watch the most recent memory that he had of Clementine. She came home late and tipsy and told him she accidentally dented his car. Oh, yeah, that explains the earlier dent. They get into a really bad argument and Joel says something so hurtful that it is the last straw. Clementine gets her stuff and leaves. We're back in the apartment now where Patrick and Stan are working on erasing his memories. Patrick tells Stan that he has a girlfriend now, but Stan doesn't care. But I care because I have a theory and I hope I'm wrong. Just so I don't confuse you guys, whenever I say in the apartment, it is what's happening in the real world with him getting his mind erased. And then when I say back in his memory, we are in his memories where he's living, his memories getting erased. Got it? Back in Joel's memory, he is driving in his dented car alongside Clementine, who's walking on the sidewalk, and he's telling her he'll give her a ride, but she's really not feeling him. Look at it out here. It's all falling apart. I'm erasing you and I'm happy. You did it to me first. You don't sound happy to me, dude. Back in the apartment, Patrick admits to Stan that his new girlfriend is the lady whose mind they erased last week, and her ex is the guy's mind who they're erasing this week. And he also stole her panties. What? Dude, are you freaking kidding me right now? This is giving me the ick. That applies here. During their conversation, we are jumping back and forth in Joel's memory, and Joel can actually hear the two guys talking. He's currently in a memory with Clementine eating Chinese food and he hears their voices and he's telling her, do you hear that? She don't hear nothing. He's like, no, somebody's here. And he turns around and she is gone. That memory just got erased. We jump to another memory of him and Clementine at the flea market fighting. She wants to have a baby and he doesn't think that they're ready. He doesn't even think that she's ready. It's a pretty bad argument. Back in Joel's apartment, Mary, the administrative assistant to Howard, arrives and she greets Stan with a kiss and ignores Patrick. She's dating Stan and doesn't like Patrick. After what I just found out, I can't blame her. She can probably sense his scummy personality. Patrick decides to pick up his phone and call Clementine, and she is in hysterics. She's telling him she's so miserable and confused right now. He's trying to assure her and comfort her, and while this is happening in Joel's mind, he can hear Patrick's voice. And he's like, man, something's off about this. And he runs back to the memory with the bookstore where he's trying to approach, you know, come time when she didn't remember who he was. And he sees Patrick's body and he's trying to turn him around so you can see his face, but he can only see the back of his head. Patrick gets off the phone. He's like, Stan, I need to go see my girlfriend. And Stan's like, okay, yeah, go ahead. Me and Mary got this. When Patrick leaves, Stan and Mary are talking, and Mary just gushing all over Dr. Howard and how brilliant he is and how important the work that he does is. Someone's got a crush. Patrick goes to Clementine's house to calm her down and when she leaves the room he pulls out a book bag where all of Joel's stuff of her is inside. He took it. Something tells me he does not have honorable intentions for these items. Patrick pulls out a little gift box that Joel intended to give to Clementine but never did so instead he gives it to her and claims ownership of it. And there I am being correct again. She opens the gift, she loves it, and he kisses her. And her smile falters a little bit, and she says, you know what, we gotta go to Montauk, we gotta go to Boston, we gotta leave right now. So they do. Back in Joel's mind, he sees some of their wonderful moments being erased and taken away, and he is suddenly regretting his decision to do the procedure. Can you hear me? I don't want this anymore, I wanna call it off! He grabs Clementine and they start running from memory to memory trying to outrun the erasure. By this time, Joel's figured out that Patrick has stolen his stuff and is using it to trick Clementine into falling for him. He's in the woods in another memory with Clementine telling her that they're erasing her and he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't want it to happen. Clementine suggests that they go to a memory that doesn't include her and hide there until the morning. That's not a bad idea. I like it. So Joel picks a memory all the way back to when he was four, hiding underneath the table. And he now has his four-year-old mind. Back in the apartment, Stan and Mary, who are now post-intimacy and just relaxing, notice the computer has stopped erasing his memory. Something is wrong. Stan goes over to it, tries to locate his consciousness, and he can't. He can't find Joel. He starts freaking out. Mary says they need to call Howard. He'll know what to do. So Stan does. Howard gets out of his bed and heads over. Patrick and Clementine are on that same frozen lake, laying down on the ice, holding hands. Patrick, who has been reading some of the missing pages of Joel's journal, recites some of the same exact words that Joel said to Clementine when they were right there in that same location. The minute he recites them, Clementine sits up abruptly and says, we gotta go, I gotta get out of here. It's exactly where I wanna be. I wanna go home. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? Dr. Howard shows up and Mary is tripping all over herself, telling him how great he is. Reel it in girl, your man is right over there. Howard manages to locate Joel and Clementine and starts erasing his memory again. But Joel is determined. He finds Clementine and they start hopping memories, trying to get away. But Howard is good, very good. He keeps finding them and erasing those memories. It's pretty much back on track with no problems. Stan decides to go outside for a smoke break. The minute he does, Mary is basically gushing all over Dr. Howard, telling him how great he is, how amazing he is. So she starts reciting quotes from him that she's come across in her reading. The quote goes, How happy is the blameless vessel's lot, the world forgetting by the world forgot, eternal sunshine of a spotless mind, each prayer accepted, and each wish resigned." That's beautiful. In the name of the movie, Mary moves closer to Howard, and they start kissing. <gasps> Howard, you have a wife and kids. What are you doing? She tells him she loved him a very long time. He tells her they can't do this, but then starts kissing her. Huh? Mixed signals much? Outside, Dr. Howard's wife shows up, and she sees them kissing through the window. Stan honks the horn to warn them. And they rush outside as his wife gets back in the car to try to drive away. Howard tells her it was a mistake. It was one time. And Mary tells him, I'm a stupid girl who just had a crush. I made him do it. His wife stops the car, looks at Howard and says, don't be a monster, Howard. Tell the poor girl. Tell her what? She turns to Mary and she says, you can have him. You already did. And then drives away. Holy crap. Mary got the procedure done, too. Mary is in full shock, and Dr. Howard tells her that she wanted the procedure done so she can get past their affair. He goes back inside to finish off Joel. Stan offers her a lift home, but Mary just leaves. She needs space. We're back in one of Joel's early memories where he goes to Clementine's bookstore to ask her out on a date. She starts giving him this whole spiel about her being high maintenance, and he tells her that he remembers that speech well. Then he starts reflecting on the mistakes that he made. I had you pegged, didn't I? Yeah, the whole human race picked. Yeah, probably. I still thought you were going to save my life, even after that. know. Mm. Meanwhile, Mary goes back to the office and starts rummaging through all of the files until she finds her personal file. She pulls out her tape and starts listening to it. It kind of sounds like she was coerced into doing it. She wasn't all the way on board and Dr. Howard on the voice tape tells her, this is for your own good. Joel and Clementine are now in the very last memory of her, the first day they ever met. He tells her all the things that he had wished he'd done differently. As the memory of her starts to go fuzzy and fade away, she leans in and whispers, me in one time. Then the procedure is done, and the doc and Stan leave. Joel wakes up and we are right back in the beginning of the movie again, where he comes out to find his car dented. He has no memory of Clementine. At the office, Mary has packed up her stuff and quit. Stan walks her out and tells her that he never knew that she had the procedure. I believe him, and I think she does too, but there's just no future for them. She goes to her car and we see that her trunk and backseat are full of patients' files and tapes. What you up to, Mary? Joel's outside, Clementine's house waiting. Remember when Patrick had walked up and asked him why he's there? Yeah, we're all caught up. This is where we're at now. Clementine grabs her stuff and her mail and gets in the car. She finds a letter from the doctor's office and a tape that she's like, what is this? This is weird. To all patients of Dr. Howard Mierswak. My name is Mary Marysvevo. We've met, but you don't remember me. me. I worked worked for a company hired to have part part of of your memory erased. I've since decided that this is a or something. and in order to correct this, I'm sending everyone's file back to them. She pops in the tape and hears herself insulting Joel. Joel thinks she's messing with him, and she promises him that she has no idea what this is. He gets upset and basically kicks her out of the car. Clementine goes back home, basically screams and breaks up with Patrick. She's upset. She's crying. And she decides to go find Joel. Tracks him down to his apartment. And she walks in and sees that he's listening to his tape that he has received, that he recorded. He apologizes to her for kicking her out of his car. And they start listening to him insult Clementine now. It's rough. Clementine can't take it and leaves. But Joel goes after her. He stops her in the hallway and tells her they should give it another shot. She starts mentioning all the things that are going to break them up. And Joel goes, okay. They smile at each other warmly. Roll credits. My thoughts. I can't believe I let 20 years go by without seeing this movie. I think the concept saddened me and made me avoid it. The idea of two people so determined to rid themselves of the grief that they cause each other that they decide to erase every trace of each other from their memories. I thought this was gonna be some super artistic, emotionally draining film, but it wasn't. And I loved it. The editing on this film is top tier. These transitions are seamless. One minute we're in a memory in a bookstore with Joel. The next minute we're like on a beach. We're pulling out to there being sand and the lighting changes. masterful the conversations that are happening in the real world that he can hear in his memories the way that the the memories themselves are interconnected and the production design is amazing this won the oscar for best screenplay but honestly it should have swept the categories that year clementine changes her hair color depending on her mood when he meets her for the first time ever her hair is green green can be seen as like nature a new beginning during the course of the relationship, her hair color is orange, and when their relationship is at its most volatile, it's a fiery red. When she breaks up with him and her memories have been erased, her hair color is blue, sad, lonely, depressed, cognizant of how she's feeling. Blue and orange are complementary colors, which means they create the strongest contrast for each other. So it makes sense that the happiest part of her relationship, her hair would be orange, and the saddest part. Blue. I know that an argument can be made for her hair color during their relationship to be considered red orange or neon orange, depending on the lighting. But for the sake of argument, we could say that it is when she was most vibrant and passionate about their relationship. And there's enough of a contrast in there. For it to be leaning more into orange than red. When Patrick goes to Clementine's house to comfort her, she tells him that she's feeling lost and scared. Like she's disappearing. Is this a sign that she feels the connection between her and Joel fading while he's getting the procedure to erase her from his memories? Is this how other patients have felt afterwards? So what I've noticed in this movie is that you can erase memories, but you can't erase connection. Or fake it. Every time Patrick kissed Clementine or recited words that Joel had written or said to her, Clementine pulled back. She didn't know why, but her instincts told her something was wrong. Something was off. I could die right now, Clem. I'm just happy. I could die right now, Clem. I'm just happy. I've never felt that before. I'm just exactly where I want to be. This whole concept is fascinating. So after getting his mind erased, Joel decides to ditch work and on a whim go to Montauk, except it wasn't really a whim. In his final memory, Clementine tells him to meet her in Montauk. Considering he actually ran into her there, I'm wondering if somehow Clementine was also regretting the procedure as she was going through it and somehow found a way to communicate or to to remind herself to go there. I don't know. I don't know, but it's very fascinating. The human mind is a miraculous thing. Who knows all of its possibilities? If you erase your past, the good or the bad, the successes or the failures, how do you learn from them? How do you measure your growth? How do you move forward? And what stops you from making those same choices again? When we were first introduced to them, Joel didn't know the Clementine song. But we realized the reason why he doesn't is because he had to erase it from his memory because it was associated with her. Oh my darling, oh my darling, oh my darling, Clementine. You were lost and gone forever, sorry, And the line in the song about being lost means so much more now considering how much Joel fought to try to keep her, those memories of her only to lose them during the procedure. Going into this movie pretty blind and seeing the familiarity that they had with each other in the beginning without understanding the context, it now makes more sense. They were strangers, but there was just a ease they had about each other. It's heartwarming. Clementine was upfront with Joel. She told him that she was a vindictive little bee whose personality was basically Agent Orange. You were warned, sir, but Joel's very reserved, laid back and calm. I could see the wild, exciting, alluring personality of Clementine attracting him. Opposites really do attract. He needed her vibrant character to uplift him out of his mundane existence. And she needed him to help her stay grounded during the times where she was ready to go off a cliff. I find it interesting that in all of his memories of his friends, Carrie and Rob, that they were always fighting at odds. And yet, they stayed together. Is this how he sees them, or is this how the relationship really is? Just because he doesn't see the good times doesn't mean that they aren't there. And are they the stand-ins for the reality of what relationships are? Every day can't be rainbows and sunshine. You will fuss, you will fight. The question is, do you love this person and this relationship enough to fight for it? Is it worth fighting for? Some are, some aren't. The choice is up to you. Some food for thought. Thank you guys so much for choosing this wonderful movie. Five out of five stars, highly recommend. Even with all these spoilers, it's worth a watch. Trust me. What did you guys think about this movie? Do you think Joel and Clementine make it this go around? I do. But let me know in the comment section. Let's talk about it. Guys, as I've said, I'm cutting down to one video a month. I'm still going to be here, thugging it out. Got some good things coming down the pipeline. Our next month's theme is going to be movies about luck. Imagine that. March. Luck. So look out for the poll next month when I drop it on March 8th. Once I get all the results in, I'll do a review and drop a brand new episode on March 25th. If you guys enjoyed hanging out with me, please hit that like button, subscribe, ring that notification bell so you can always be up to date on what's going on. For early access to episodes, exclusive content, perks, and bonuses, check out my Patreon, NXT Global Productions, and become a part of the community. We're also on Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and wherever else you listen to your podcast. (laughs) Links are in the caption. Later!